watch Spider-Man, guys. Finally, I took my son last week, and um, I also have played some Seven Days to Die with a couple of my homies, and that is really fun. Um, I watched all that was out in the dub on Hulu for Demon Slayer, and I watched the first two episodes of Jujutsu Kaisen, so I'm excited to get started. Similarly to last episode, I will put timestamps for everything in the show notes, which, if you don't know what the show notes are, just go to whatever app you're listening to this on, and basically click on it like you're trying to click on a link, and it should open up to more information about the show, and the show notes should be right below it. And without further ado, I'm going to start with Jujutsu Kaisen today. So, basically, for those of you who are unsure what it's about, it's an anime. I thought it was on Netflix, but it turns out I only have it on HBO Max. And it's an anime about, basically, ghosts slash curses. And kind of, I'm honestly not entirely sure yet. It kind of seems like it's about sorcerers who are trying to battle curses slash ghosts. And starts off with the main character, who is Itadori or something like that. I think it's Itadori. And basically the prologue, the setting up who he is, is like they're, uh, he's a high school student. And at the high school he goes to, everybody's got to be in a club, and he's super athletic and cool and handsome, so they want him to be on the track team, but he wants to be on the occult club. So then there's this whole thing going on where he gets into a throwing competition with the track coach, and that boy, like, shatters the world record of shot put by throwing it like a baseball. So he's obviously got superhuman strength or some shit. They don't really explain that yet. But anyway, his only living family member is his grandpa. And on his grandpa's deathbed, he basically tells him, Yo, you're dope as fuck. You're a cool guy. You're fly as fuck. I love you. You don't want to uh, waste your life being a loser. Make sure you save people and help people, which I guess, I don't know. There's probably some family secret or something that I don't know about. Because I feel like you'd want to tell them to, like, spend time with your family and do things you love. But his grandpa specifically says that he's got to save people before he dies. So then, like, the occult club, while he's hanging out with his grandpa, they go to the school to open up this relic they found. Which is basically looks like a little sausage in a wrapping. Like pigs in a blanket, if you will. Um... Anyway, with a bunch of, like, ancient runes and inscriptions on it, and they're going to open that up in the school for scenery because they all felt chills, and I guess, like, the whole football team got sick or something, so they think it's ghosts. But they do that, and he's happening to leave his grandpa, and he gets stopped by this long black-haired dude, and I can't remember his name. And anyway, he's like... Listen, where is the cursed object? I feel its aura around you. And homeboy's like, listen, dog, I ain't got it no more. Give it to my homies. They're opening it up to school. My grandpa just died. Leave me the fuck alone. He's like, well, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your friends are going to die. And that, like, makes him think of his grandpa's speech. So then he wants to help his friends. 
So he goes with long hair, spiky dude. They go to the school, and, like, shit's going down. There's ghosts everywhere. Uh, they fuck up a couple. He can, like, summon dogs and shit. It's kind of cool. And then when all hope is lost, the main character, after sitting there thinking about his grandpa's final words, just fucking comes flying through the window. That's, like, 20 feet up, but probably got superhuman strength or some shit. I don't know. And he just fucking, like, roundhouse kicks the fucking curse's head. And that causes him to drop his friends and the cursed object. And then the homeboy with spiky hair kills him, I think? But then, like, another monster attacks that's bigger. And in a desperate attempt to make it so the monster can't eat the finger, because I guess eating cursed objects is how you get more powerful... If you have cursed energy, I don't know. Um, he eats it himself and becomes super fucking strong, basically just flexing, destroys the monster. And, like, the finger he ate is actually some demon cursed dude named... Or, not a demon, that's a Demon Slayers, the next show. He's a curse, which is basically a ghost, and... From like thousand years ago, super strong, and he basically possesses Itadori, and then some sexy white-haired dude with a face covering, which you know he's gonna be tough as fuck, comes to help, and he basically fights Itadori Sakuna or Sukuna is the demon's name possession. And basically the condition was he had to be able to maintain control after 10 seconds. And that's basically the whole ep first episode. If that sounds good, watch it. If you watched it and think I missed something, let me know. Now the other show, Demon Slayer, which was actually really fucking good. Um, that show is basically... There's humans and there's demons. And demons are basically... Like vampires, I guess. They're kind of like Twilight vampires, where like each of them have separate powers, but that gets more complicated as the show goes on. Um. Anyway, the demons basically hunt at night, and if they hit sunlight, they die. The only way to kill them is with a certain blade that demon slayers have, which, I mean, I guess you can kind of get where the show's going. But anyway, show goes on. It introduces the main character, a dude with some dope-ass red hair, Tanjiro, I want to say Kamado or some shit like that, but anyway, he's the bright, happy boy that, um, he starts off, he goes to town, which I think they live up on a mountain, and it's a long ways from town, so, I don't know, maybe it's like a Waltons type deal that they only go to town every so often, but... He goes to town, and he's such a cool, nice guy that as he's going down the road, literally fucking everybody is asking him, Hey, hey, you cool guy, come help me out with this. And he they, he does, because he's such a nice, cool guy. And he ends up, like, heading back, and he sold coal or something, I don't know. Some, he had, like, coal or some shit in his bag when he went to town. It was empty when he was leaving, that's all I know. But one of the people he was doing a job for, like when it was getting close to sunset, told him, hey man, you can't go back up there, it's nighttime. 
and he had somehow never heard about demons before, even though they lived up on the mountain in the woods, and he had surely been outside at night. But whatever. Um, They tell him that, so then they're like, hey, stay here, I'll feed you, let you sleep. And he's like, hell yeah, man, You, I bet you cook food good. And so he does. And then when he gets back to his home up on the mountain in the woods, his entire, well, he's got a great sense of smell. So first off, he smells blood like a mile away and panics and runs back to his house and he finds basically his whole family. I think he had like four siblings and his mom. They were all attacked and his sister had brought tried to escape with one of his other siblings, but the youngest one died. But the sister is holding them. Wait, how does it go down? It turns out the sister had been turned into a demon in the attack. So Tanjiro's like, oh shit, that's not good. But as he's trying to process it, all of a sudden, a flash of a dude comes out of nowhere grabs his sister, and threatens to kill her. And Tanjiro, he is a cool guy, and he's like, hey man, like, she never killed nobody, she wouldn't kill nobody, she's my sister, leave her alone. And he basically disagrees, he's like, nah, demons are evil, I gotta kill demons, here's the demon right here, I gotta kill this bitch, sorry bud. And anyway, so Tanjiro is like, nah bro, I ain't gonna let you kill my sister. So then he takes his axe, because he's got an axe, he starts darting around to make an attack, dipping behind trees and shit, and at one point, he throws a rock, and, like, he's running circles around the guy, and the dude blocks the rock easy as fuck, but then a second later, he pops out from behind a tree, and just goes for a full frontal fucking attack, and... He is not trained at anything, and this dude's a badass, so he just fucking knocks Tanjiro out, and then all of a sudden, the axe that he had just comes flying out of the sky and hits a tree like two inches away from the dude's face, and he's standing there processing like, oh shit, this guy's a real deal, bro, he like, he planned that, he threw the axe at the same time he threw the rock and blah 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 but while he's stunned there the demon sister kicks him like harder than fuck and he goes flying hits a tree and falls down and she like darts to his brother it does the whole anime slow motion thing like ah shit he's gonna die she's gonna attack him but then she guards him and he's like oh my She shouldn't be attacking him even if it's her brother. She's a demon. They're evil. And then, like, she kind of jumps at him. But, like, midair, he just judo chops her throat and knocks her out. Which, that might have happened earlier. I don't know. But, yeah, that's the end of that episode. If you want me to talk about it more, let me know. If you saw the show and you feel I missed something, let me know. I think I did a solid description for not having to seen it in a bit. But... Later on, there's some badass shit. I actually can't wait to start talking about more episodes of that show. Now, I'm going to talk about video games. And the video game I play the most is probably still Valorant. And for anyone who's not familiar with Valorant, it is basically a 5v5 multiplayer game where there's a map 
and there's two sites. Well, once one map has three sites because each of the maps have something specific and different from all the other maps. It's kind of the way to keep it fresh. It's pretty interesting. But anyway, the there's two or three sites. One team gets one spike, and the other team is on defense. The one with the spike has to try to plant it. And the characters, the agents who you play, all have different like abilities or superpowers. And I guess each time I talk about Valorant, I can just explain a couple, and I'll go with my kind of mains right now. Um, so I started off with Jet, which Jet is supposed to be a Korean woman who I don't really know the lore behind the game, so I don't know like why she's fighting, what she's doing. But And you don't just get a certain amount of abilities per round. You get a certain amount of currency per round, and then you can choose to buy either better guns or better abilities but you can only have like two or three of each ability so jet's abilities are that she can throw a little smoke cloud down that lasts for like 10 seconds she can do something called updraft which she just kind of shoots up and then she kind of floats if you hold space when you jump with her um and then her other ability is that she can do like a quick dash which i'm not sure the distance you just you press the dash and the way you're going you just dash that way and then her ultimate is that she can she like basically has these throwing knives floating around her and I think she has five or six, and they do 50 damage each, or if it's a headshot, it's instant kill, and she has five or six of those. The next one I mained was Reyna, and Reyna's powers are a little different, but basically she has one normal ability, which it's called Leer, and it's basically like a ball that you throw out, and anyone who sees that within a certain radius their entire screen just gets like a purple haze on it, and you can't really see, making it easier for you to shoot them. And then the other two, what they have is whenever you get a kill or an assist, that person drops an orb, and depending, you can press one of two buttons. One button you press, and it basically makes you invulnerable for like three seconds or something. And makes you move a little faster. So you can kind of dip out of there. And the other one, you basically heal. I think, I don't know if it's a certain amount or what. But most of the time it will get you back up to full health. It just takes a little longer. And I mean, for obvious reason, she was fun because she could just heal herself. Um, and then the third one that I kind of main a little bit is Astra. And... She's because each agent has a separate job, basically. Like, there's something called an initiator who's supposed to basically flash people and get you information so you know how many people are there, how many people aren't there, whatever. Then there's duelists who are technically supposed to go out there ahead of the group and try to kill one or two people before they die. Smokes, who basically. They can go throw smokes to make it so you can run into the smoke and then be unpredictable where you go. 
or make it so that the enemy team has to go through the smoke and come out completely to be able to get out of an area. And that's what Astra does, is she smokes. And basically what she does is, instead of having a certain amount of abilities, you can buy up to five stars, and you can place any of them whenever you want. But once you place it, you have to either press a button to recall it, and it slowly cools down, and then you can use it again. Or you use it to do one of your abilities, and it's spent. And her abilities are, she can throw down two smokes. There's one that she presses that it basically does like a little wind-up and then an explosion, and it concusses them. Or the other one basically like turns into a black hole and has a radius where it does like a sucking into the middle to make it easier to shoot or pull people out from behind cover. Um, so she's fun to play when, like, my aim's not good and I want to just kind of sit back and smoke some areas out. Um, that's all I'll cover on Valorant today, but it's a lot of fun. Um, so Seven Days to Die. I've actually played... One of my buddies got it on PC and started playing with us. So there was three of us in a group... And my biggest weakness that I had kind of addressed is that I could not judge the distance between, like, me and the zombies to be able to judge, like, their hitbox and how far away I can hit them without them hitting me and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I also learned some more efficient... Uh, perk upgrades I could use, so I'll probably end up streaming that with some of my friends this weekend on Chauffeur, on Twitch. Um, finally, the moment we've all been waiting for. Spider-Man, baby! So, starts off basically right at the end of the second one, and Peter and MJ are just swinging through the city, and they end up on one of the bridges in New York, I don't know. And Peter gets a call from Ned, and they're just, dude, 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 dude. And MJ has the most human reaction ever. Is like, dude! Because she's scared to be standing up on top of that because she doesn't have spider powers. Um, but then they go back to Peter's apartment. Happy and Aunt May had just broke up, and they were sitting there arguing, and... Peter tries to sit them down to talk to them about their relationship. And they see on the news that everybody's outside their apartment and all that. And then they decide they need a lawyer. And guess who the fuck that lawyer is? Daredevil! Oh, that's so exciting. Charlie Cox is back! And he's Daredevil, and he's their lawyer. And somebody throws a brick through the window and he just reflexively catches that. Peter's like, how'd you do that? He's like, I'm a really good lawyer. But then they basically say that Spider-Man, Peter Parker, all that, not going to get any legal troubles because they realize that, um, fuck, I can't remember Mysterio's real name. That's wild. Anyway, that dumbass is a lion-ass bitch, so they figured that out. And then they all apply to colleges, and they drew that shit out way too long, because A, 
everybody knew you weren't getting into college after that. And B, nobody cares. Um, so then there's that. So they can't get into colleges. They don't get into MIT because of Peter being Spider-Man. So Peter goes to Doctor Strange, and he basically wants Doctor Strange to go back in time and make it so nobody knew that he was Spider-Man. But no time stone got destroyed in Endgame. So also, Wong being the Sorcerer Supreme because of a technicality after Doctor Strange was gone for five years was hilarious. And if anyone had seen Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings and seen the underground fighting arena thing, I am kind of curious about why Wong, the Sorcerer Supreme, would be fighting in an underground battle arena, but I don't know. Um, And I feel like Marvel does not do cameos for no reason. So there had to be a reason for Wong to be there, whether he was investigating some paranormal thing or what. I hope we find out in the next Doctor Strange movie. Then Doctor Strange suggests a spell to make people forget that he's Peter. And while he's doing the spell, Peter's like, oh shit, MJ needs to remember me. Uh, Ned needs to remember me. It's Aunt May needs to remember him. The Avengers, blah, 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 blah. I would have to rewatch and see if the amount of changes to the spell is how many people came through, because that'd be a, a cool little thing. Um, then it fast-forwards to Peter Parker chasing the admissions lady for MIT, trying to convince her to accept Ned and MJ, and all of a sudden, Doc Architects. And most of that is just Doc Ock destroying the bridge, throwing cars, just being a general menace to society. And then he pins Peter to a support beam and sucks up some of his nanobots with his tentacle, which maybe Marvel is appealing to the hentai weebs. Not entirely sure. But anyway, then Peter uses his mask nanobots to cover his chest. Doc Ock takes a second to be confused because he's like, hold up, bro. Who are you? But, and Peter uses that time to get control of the suit because he was able to control the nanobots. So that was 200 IQ. And then all of a sudden, Doctor Strange like teleports him back and then there's the reveal to the lizard chilling in the cage thing, which they could have really used some of that useless college montage time to show him being captured, because that would have been way better. Um, But then Doctor Strange gives him a dope-ass gauntlet thing that can magically teleport people, and then he goes into the woods hunting for, I'm assuming Electro is the one who he went there for initially, so he goes to fight Electro, and they show Electro. He looks cool. He's not blue, and he's just absorbing power. And he attacks, but then all of a sudden, sand comes out of nowhere, starts swirling around Electro, and, well, no, it puts up a wall to block one of Electro's attacks. And then Sandman's face pokes out. He's like, Peter, ooh, what's going on? I will help you. So then he surrounds Electro and fucking helps subdue Electro. And then 
when Peter goes to teleport Electro back into the containment cells with Doctor Strange, Sandman's like, hey, bro, what was that? And starts to attack him, so then he sends him back as well. And then I had forgotten when they initially went back to the lair with just Doc Ock and Lizard, they had been talking about the green, I can't remember, I think he called it a green elf or something instead of a goblin. And Doc Ock was like, Yo, man, that ain't possible unless you're fighting a ghost to set a little bit of a chilly scene. And then after he gets Electro and Sandman, he then gets a call from Aunt May, I believe. And Norman Osborn is chilling with Aunt May because he had arrived here, broke his mask because the mask was telling him to be a naughty boy. And then went to Aunt May looking for help because he saw that Spider-Man was there and he trusted Toby's cute ass. And he's like, it was honestly really weird to see him so, like, meek and vulnerable. But I kind of get it. Like, he got there, he fought off Green Goblin's urges or whatever. He couldn't find his son. Somebody was in his house. That's confusing as fuck. So... Anyway, then Peter's there talking to his Aunt May, and Aunt May's like, it's your responsibility to help these guys. Like, what's the point of being a hero if you're not helping people who need to be helped? And it's like, true. But then Doctor Strange butts in and captures him and teleports Peter back. And Doctor Strange is like, listen, you fucked this up. You fixed it. So now we gotta send these dudes back. And Peter's like... I, I don't know, Aunt May just kind of made me feel like I gotta help them because they're just gonna go back and die and, and Doctor Strange is like, I don't give a fuck if they die. They're villains for the first part and B, them being here fucks up the multiverse, bro. And Peter's like, I, I, don't, I don't give a fuck. But then he takes the spell box and tries to escape and Doctor Strange chases after him and then puts up a bunch of portals to basically play Portal and defeat his ass. And it's actually kind of funny talking about the Portal for that scene because they do the whole Portal on the top, Portal on the bottom with Peter and the cube just infinitely falling. And Peter's kind of spider webs out to catch the box halfway, so that was kind of neat. Um, But then anyway, Doctor Strange ends up putting... I don't know, maybe sending Peter outside of his body in like an out-of-body experience, and we get like the little Spidey Sense waves over spy- or Peter's out-of-body body, the soul, and the Spidey Sense is going off, making it so Doctor Strange can't get the cube from Spider-Man's body, which was cool, and then... He sends him and Peter to the mirror dimension. And I thought it was kind of cool how he used the magic cape against Peter, like, offensively. Because in Infinity War, he used it to save Peter and used it kind of defensively for Peter. So it was kind of a cool nod back. And um, then Peter... Pulls the ring off, and Doctor Strange is like, ow, which is funny. And Peter goes back, closes the portal. And I'm honestly unsure, like, how did Peter know he was going to be able to get Doctor Strange back? 
that could have honestly been a decent storyline where they have to hunt down Wong in the underground fighting arena to open a portal to get Doctor Strange back, and they could have had a cool fight scene of Peter fighting in the arena, but whatever. But then Peter goes back to the underground lair, and he tries to convince all the villains to go to a safe house with him. And I understand, like, the character they used Willem Dafoe to be Norman Osborn in this movie, going with Peter, and them forcing Doc Ock to, because he has control of the suit with the nanobots... But Sandman's flipping and flopping back and forth really fucking confuses me. They had zero consistency with his character. And in my opinion, Lizard should have been physically forced, like, especially at the idea of going there to cure him, he should have had to been forced to go with him, like, tied up in a million different ways, like, carried in there. And honestly, Electro probably could have escaped and became a villain for later, Like, maybe he follows them back to the house to break them out or whatever, or... I don't know. All the ignored deus ex machina that see in, like, every single fight in most movies, that would not have been the least reasonable that we could have ignored. But, uh... Anyway, they take them all there, and curing Doc Ock was solid because... In the movie, it was explained that, like, the chip caused him to be evil, so it's reasonable that fixing the chip makes it so he's not evil. So, I get it. Um, I don't really like that they made Norman Osborn, like, genuinely scared and upset. I kind of wish that they made it so he was hiding his ulterior motives, because I feel like... In the Spider-Man movie, even when he wasn't being controlled by the Green Goblin, he was not, like, that meek and subservient. Like, he was still, like, a confident, like, slightly angry, arrogant dude. So, whatever. Um, I get that they had to make it so that he could help, so that they could make the twist of him being bad, but I wish they would have changed that. And... Honestly, part of why I would have been down with Electro getting away in the beginning and just having Sandman be a homie, because, like, Sandman's not exactly the powerhouse, so him being there with the good guys, he could not reasonably defeat, like, all the villains, so it wouldn't have been, like, a huge handhold for the good guys, but it would have been kind of online with his character of wanting to go back to be with his daughter, get cured as fast as possible, or maybe just cure him right away, and then he's useless. He could just basically chill. Um, But, yeah. Plus, they made Lizard basically irrelevant. So, like, they could have given him Electro's role in the movie, had, like, the Daily Bugle stream give Electro data on their location, he arrives for the breakout, gets Lizard out, and then, like, Green Goblin reveals his true self, blows up the place, but... And, I mean, since I'm basically rewriting the whole movie, you could just have Sandman be, like, MJ and Ned's bodyguard, and then, like, they could have used that to ease in Toby's Peter, and, like, Andrew's Peter could have been following Electro, and then just, like, show up late or something. I don't know. But anyway, snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. No. They cure Doc Ock. Like, it's cool, makes sense. And then, apparently, actually, something I didn't notice is 
when Doc Ock is evil, like the lights on his tentacles are red, and once they cure him, they turn white. And I guess they did that the opposite in Spider-Man 2. But then they place the surge protector on Electro's chest, and that starts sucking him. And Norman has an episode, and I'm not entirely sure what he was going to do that caused Spider-Man to web his hand to the wall. I'd have to rewatch it, but I admittedly went with my son, and he got scared, so I was trying to comfort him, and I missed it. But anyway, Peter stops him. All hell breaks loose. Lizard gets away, and Jonah Jameson sees him, and he's like, damn, now Spider's got big-ass pet lizards, and like, he's such a menace, blah, blah, blah. And Electro rips off his electron sucker and starts shooting electricity, goes Super Saiyan, dips out. Uh, Sandman turns yet a fucking again and breaks free. And then Doc Ock goes, who the fuck knows where? I don't remember where he went. Um, but Green Goblin decides he wants to show Peter what a real villain is like and goes fucking ape shit on him. And like they're barreling through the floors to get to the bottom floor. And that accumulates in their climax battle. And Aunt May, who is trying to get the cures for everybody safely down to the bottom, ends up, like, in the lobby at the same time they are. And Green Goblin gets some flashbacks from Spidey 1 at the end. And he's like, yo, Peter isn't between my flying Beyblade and anybody. So I can just shoot it at her. And he fucking launches it at her. She goes flying. And I can't really remember if there's more fighting or if he just dips out, but they ended up pulling a little sneaky on us. And they don't have it act as a thumbtack holding her to the wall, and it's not stuck in her. So they kind of give us some hope that she's okay, and she gets up acting normal, if not just a bit woozy from knocking her head on a bunch of cement. And then all of a sudden she collapses, and they do the bloody hand, fake it till you make it trope. And we get the most attractive power and responsibility line out of any Spider-Man movie. And then she dies. Rest in peace, Aunt May. Happy sees her, gets unhappy. And then... I can't remember like if we were going back to the Ned and MJ or not throughout. But he's using the magic ring. And they find Andrew. Andrew Spider-Man. And he comes out. He... Tries to prove he's Spider-Man or Peter Parker. Jumps up to the ceiling with one hand. And MJ kind of gives her best line out of the whole trilogy. She's like, crawl on the ceiling then. And he's like, no, I don't need to do that. This is good enough. She's like, no, climb on the ceiling. But then Ed's grandma comes out and asks him to get a spider web that is chilling in the corner. So he's climbs up on the ceiling and scuttles over, cleans it off. And then they open up another circle. And then there's Toby's reveal. And they show Toby just standing there in street clothes. And then all of a sudden they start fucking flicking webs at each other and have a little spat, which was pretty cool. I could have I done with them having a little bit of a bigger fight. And then Ned's grandma comes out and is like, clean up the mess. And so they clean up the mess. And... Then they're like, hey, so when I get broody and sad, I got a certain place that I go and watch the city. Does your Spider-Man have that? And so they go meet Spider-Man, Tom, Spider-Man, on top of a roof. He's crying. MJ and Ned hug him. 
and then they have a big conversation about how they've all had somebody die. They've all heard the with great power comes great responsibility speech. And then they're like, fuck, I guess it's time to get shit going. And they go to a lab. Now, I thought it was pretty cool seeing all three Spider-Man, like, sciencing it up a little bit. And I could have been down with a bigger montage instead of the college one again, goddamn. But then Tom Spider takes the spell box to the Statue of Liberty, and he records it, sends it to the Daily Bugle, and he's basically like, yeah, I fucked up, it's my fault these dudes are here, I'm at the Statue of Liberty with this box, they can come fucking fight me if they want to, pussy ass bitches, um, but... Then, yeah, they're all just chilling at the Statue of Liberty, and we get some excellent fucking banter between the Spider-Men, and they kind of get talking about their web shooters, and Toby tells them how his comes out of his body, and Tom's like, so, uh, does that affect any other bodily fluids? (laughs) Obviously, semen is what he was talking about. And (laughs) then... Ned and MJ are there for a bit, but they can't close the portal, so they're sitting there trying to close the portal, and the final battle commences. And I can't remember the exact order of the fight and, like, who gets who, but if I remember correctly, Sandman, Captain Flippy Floppy, goes up Lady Liberty's skirt, and he tries to suffocate, I believe it was Andrew, but, like, Andrew Spider-Man, but... Someone throws the cure to him, and he catches it and fixes him. Then the lizard goes to fuck up Ned and MJ, and Ned pulls this dope-ass move where he opens a portal, water goes down, he fucking gets washed down like a spider down a spout, and I think it was Toby who cures him. And then Electro was attacking, I believe, Andrew and Tom, And Doc Ock comes in, he grabs the spider dudes, and he's like, leave them to me. But then all of a sudden, flips around, pulls a Sandman, grabs Electro, and he puts like the electric sucker back on him, which was improved by Peter Cubed. And it happens super quick, and then (laughs) Andrew Spider-Man's like, Max, are you alright? He's like, don't worry man, I'm, I'm all tired. And he says a line referring to Miles Morales, he's like, Man, Spider-Man's from the Queens. He's always saving poor people. I thought Spider-Man was going to be black, which was kind of funny. Then Doctor Strange comes out of a portal that Ned was trying to open, and Ned's like, Yo, man, uh, Tom Spider's plan is working. We're actually saving these nerds. Toby and Doc Ock have a cute little moment where uh, Doc Ock was like, Hello, Peter. How have you been? And Toby was like, I've been trying to do better. And then all of a sudden, Green Goblin attacks. And he comes and swoops the cube out of Doctor Strange's hand. And everybody's fighting to get it back. And then Doctor Strange gets it back. But bitch-ass fucking Green Goblin had put a bomb in there. So that bomb blows up, destroys the scaffolding. And when the scaffolding breaks, MJ falls. So Tom... Peter dives after her and Green Goblin comes flying out of nowhere, swoops Peter out of there. So then Andrew's Peter jumps down and to be fair, this 
time, it was a lot shorter fall, a lot less shit going on for him. So he is able to save MJ. And when he gets to the bottom, like MJ, he asks MJ, are you all right? And she's like, yeah. He starts crying. She's like, "Uh, are you? And he he nods his head yes. And by the way, we need Amazing Spider-Man 3 fucking pronto. But then Tom getting swooped up by the Green Goblin results in him and Green Goblin on top of Cap's shield. And Tom basically goes fucking John Wick on his ass and starts fucking him up and has one of the best Spider-Man combat fights we've seen in a very long time. And he's putting the beat down on Norman and he goes to grab the glider and fucking slam it down on Green Goblin, which would have been dope. But then Toby swoops in, and Tom is about to stab through Toby with the glider, but Toby's beautiful eyes and compassionate smile make it so Tom chills a little bit, and Tom, and Toby's, like, proud of him. But then bitch-ass Goblin stands up, stabs Toby in the back, and starts talking mad fucking shit. Then Andrew chucks the anti-Goblin serum to Tom, And he jabs him in the throat, curing him, and Toby's all proud of him. Then Andrew comes down to hug Toby, and old Tobster's like, Yo, bro, getting stabbed for me is basically a hobby at this point. I'm steady spaghetti. Um, But then the space tears from the spell blowing up are still going on, and we get some dope-ass villains popping through. We get to see the Rhino, Craven the Hunter, the Scorpion... And I've heard other people say they saw Black Cat and Mysterio, but I didn't. Um, then Peter goes to Doctor Strange, Mr. Doctor Strange, to you, and asks him to make everyone forget he's Spider-Man. And Doctor Strange, after seeing Tom be a dope-ass hero, is like, No, man, now I'll feel bad about it. And then Peter's like, Nah, bro, it's chill. Like, we need to do it. And Doctor Strange is like, fine go say your goodbyes but don't call me sir and then peter says his goodbyes and the spell is cast fixing the universe and the epilogue of sorts was peter trying to make a speech for ned and mj being like yo y'all don't know me but we used to be homies kind of like that tiktok audio hey you and me babies we used to have fun until we cast that spell yeah i don't know um anyway But they're both happy, they're going to MIT, so Peter just kind of fucks off. And we get kind of like the soft reboot for Peter going back to being like just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. We see him in a comic-accurate suit. We all get hard as fuck because that's dope as hell. And that's the end of the movie. And I'm not going to talk about the post credit scenes because A, fuck Tom Hardy Venom. He is super garbage. He just kind of seems like a crackhead. And Eddie Brock is not a crackhead. And B, I don't want to be spoiled for the multiverse, so fuck that. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. I will be putting a link tree link in the description of the show. And if you don't know how to work that, then you could just go on Instagram at Entertainment Vehicle or Twitter at entertain vehicle without the e the first e 
and it'll be there, or you could just follow those, and I would really appreciate it. And if you don't want to do either of those, but you still enjoyed the episode, I would really, really greatly appreciate if you went into the Apple Podcasts app and gave a five-star rating and a review, because basically, five-star ratings are the only thing that make it so when you go to search on there, that's what it gets brought up. So I would appreciate that. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.